Well, hello everyone. So good to be with you today. I'm glad that you are worshiping with us. And well, as you can tell right now, I'm not with you at the church. I'm actually filming this in my living room. And the reason for that is earlier this week, we were informed that there was someone who tested positive with COVID at the gym that I attend, and they were actually in our workout group. And so just to be safe, I'm, I'm feeling fine, feel great, but just to be safe and to be wise, we decided it would be best uh, for me to film the message for you today. And you know, that's just a pledge that we've made at Calvary is that we are going to strive to keep your safety first and we're going to make wise decisions throughout this pandemic. And so we thought it would just be best for me to be here instead of venturing out and I can't wait to see you in person again soon. And I'll also just say, you know, preaching in front of a fire like this in a cozy space is kind of nice on a cold day like today. Uh, also, before we jump into the message, I just want to say thank you again for your generous ongoing support of the mission at Calvary all throughout this season. You know, God has given us everything that we have. Nothing is really ours. It's everything that he's entrusted to us. And what he asks us to do is to make an investment into his mission and into his kingdom and you know what? This is a way better investment than the stock market because the returns are incredible. It's an eternal investment. And as a sign of our faith and our trust in God, he asks us to continue to support his mission and what he's doing in the world in and through the church. And, you know, I think one of the best indicators of our faith and our trust in God is really our finances. To look at our bank statement, it really says where we're putting our trust, where we're putting our faith. So this is an opportunity, again, to put God first in your life. It's an opportunity really to worship him through our giving. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of pressure. It's simply out of faith, out of trust, and out of love. So if you'd like to give a gift to Jesus and his mission today, you can do so. If you're worshiping in person, you can just drop it in a box or a bucket on the way out of your worship space. If you are watching online or if it's easier, you can go to calvary.org give. You can also text the word give to 94090. And finally, you can also mail your contribution to the church. We're so thankful for your ongoing support. Well, you know, I think one of the scary things among many scary things today is the prospect of identity theft. You know, you've probably heard stories before, horror stories of people who have had their identity stolen and all the awful things that come with that. You know, today, luckily, there's lots more safeguards. And I don't know if you're like me, but a few times I've gotten notifications from my credit card company saying, you know, did you purchase all of these things on this desert island somewhere off in the Pacific? And, you know, you can say, well, no, that wasn't me. And they can take it off your credit card. But I remember a guy that I knew quite a while ago who had his identity stolen and it was absolutely horrible. They opened up new lines of credit. They made all sorts of random purchases. They had all sorts of fraudulent behavior going on, and it was all within his name. And once he found out, he was on wanted lists, and it took thousands and thousands of dollars and many different lawyers to help clear his name and to get out of all of that junk. Identity theft 
can be a nightmare. Now, hopefully none of us are going to experience that kind of identity theft. But I think each one of us struggles with losing our real identity from time to time. Every one of us struggles with having our true identity stolen from us. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Well, during this series that we're in called Finding Your Way Back to God, we've been focusing in on a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son, which I would say is the greatest story that's ever been told. And I think this story has really helped us understand these five awakenings that take place as we journey back to God. You know, sometimes we drift far away. Sometimes we wander away. But as we turn around and we come back into a relationship with God, there are these kind of five mile posts or five mile markers on the way back to him. And I think it's really the story of every Jesus follower, isn't it? You know, sometimes we're growing closer to him and other times we're wandering a little bit further away, but we have that opportunity to turn around and to come back to him. It's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing growth process. And I think what we find out along the way is that God is always closer than we imagine. God is always closer than we can even hope for because he is always right there with us. Well, the first awakening that we talked about a couple weeks ago is the awakening to longing. You know, every one of us has longings, like a longing for love, a longing for purpose, a longing for significance, a longing for meaning. And those longings are put deep down in our soul by God himself. Those longings are not bad in and of themselves. The problem becomes when we try to fulfill or to satisfy those longings in a place other than God, which leads us into our second awakening, which is the awakening to regret. You know, it's those times that we find ourselves far from God. It's when we're searching for those longings apart from him that one day we end up thinking, man, I wish I could start over. After all that I've been through, all that I've done, all that I've said, I really wish I could have a do-over. And it's that moment of awakening, it's coming to our senses that can be a real turning point in our life. It's when we change course and we start to understand that we need to make our way back home where we're truly meant to be. And the power of this awakening is realizing that with God, we can start over. With God, we get second and third and fourth chances. Well, that leads into a, a third awakening, which is the awakening to help. It's when we finally say, you know what? I can't do this alone. On my own, I am powerless. It's acknowledging that we need help to get out of the valley, to get through the storm. And the amazing thing is that the help that we need has a name, and that name is Jesus. As the prodigal son's story reminds us, God is just waiting for us to turn around and to receive his help. But so now in this series of awakenings, we finally come home, but the journey is not over yet. Everything doesn't just automatically get fixed 
Everything's not just instantly better. You see, at this point in our story, what often happens is that we forget who we are. We easily can feel like we're beyond hope, that we don't deserve help, that we don't deserve grace. And what happens is we lose our identity. It's stolen from us. And that's why we desperately need this fourth awakening. You know, in the prodigal son story, when the son comes to his senses, he realizes that what he needs to do is to go back home. And so after deciding to do this, he's coming down the road and suddenly his father is there and he's running towards him with open arms. And it's just this incredible scene It's also unheard of because it means the father is out by the mailbox every single day waiting to see if this is the day that his son returns. And he's willing to be so undignified that he hikes up his robe and he runs down the dirt road to wrap his arms around his son. But I think it's important to note how the son responds as he's being embraced by his father. Let's look at what he says. It says, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, even after seeing and experiencing his father's love, this display of acceptance, the son still has doubts and he has insecurities and he has fears you see, what's happened is it's his identity has been stolen from him. And in its place, he feels overwhelming shame and guilt. Now, can you relate to that? Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe you feel like that today. I mean, you found your way back to God at some point and you regularly attend worship and week after week you hear the good news of the gospel, which is for you. You hear the forgiveness of God, which is fresh every day, but inside you're thinking, I'm not sure that's really for me. You know, not that, not after all that I've done and all that I've said. I'm pretty sure I used up all of my chances years ago. Maybe you can't stop thinking about that one thing that you did or that one thing that you said or that one relationship that was broken. Maybe you just have some regret that you can't get rid of. And your biggest fear might be that other people might find out that deep, dark secret. But you also know, well, God, of course, already knows that secret. It's impossible for you to think, well, God can't love someone like me. And so in much the same way as that young son in the prodigal son story, shame and guilt follows you. And shame and guilt follows that young son on his way back home. He's got a ton of regrets. He can't stop thinking about all of the mistakes that he made, how insulting he was to his father, how he blew all of his inheritance. And that feeling of shame clouds over the celebration. It makes him feel insecure. It makes him feel phony. You know, shame wants us to forget who we are and where we really belong. Shame whispers to us, who are you kidding anyway? 
You don't deserve this. Shame steals our true identity and replaces it with something less. But I want you to notice what the father does next in the prodigal son story, because it sounds great, but it actually communicates something so much better and so much deeper than meets the eye. So the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, again, it sounds like nice gifts, right? But they are actually communicating a much deeper truth about the son's identity. The first thing the father says is bring the best robe. And what that means is the best robes are his robes. I mean, they've got plenty of robes for guests, probably all over the house. But he's saying, bring the best, which only comes out of his closet. Now, this is an honor and a privilege, not just given to anyone. I mean, there's plenty of other robes again. But what this does is it communicates value and status. The son is home and he's right where he's meant to be. And as he wraps the robe around him, it communicates to him that he can rest. He can stop stressing out. He can stop second guessing and he can just rest. Being given your father's robe means you can stop running. It means you can stop trying to prove yourself. It means you can stop striving. Just rest because you're already enough. Rest because you are finally at home. Well, next, the ring that he's given symbolizes security. Rings were a big deal in ancient cultures. If you were in the presence of a king, you would kiss their ring as a sign of respect and honor. When someone was given a ring, it signified a transfer of power and authority to that other person. And so the father giving his son his ring is giving him all of his power and his authority. It's a full access to all of his resources, everything that belongs to him. It's kind of like if you were given your father's credit card to go buy whatever you want. So think about it. This son who just hours before was snacking on pig food and he was homeless and he had no money to his name. Now with this ring, it means he will never go without a meal again. He will never be homeless again. He'll never lack anything that he needs. You see, with this ring, his identity is made clear. And it means that he is completely secure. Well, finally, his father calls for sandals. And I imagine that this son has been walking for miles without any shoes at all. He's also been working in a muddy pig farm. He's been walking down dusty and dirty robes without a shower or a bath. Now, servants and slaves were never, ever allowed to wear sandals or shoes inside a home. But a family member, a full-fledged family member, could wear their sandals, could wear their shoes right into the family's house. So the gift of sandals 
symbolizes acceptance. Total acceptance. Remember, just moments before, the son is trying to figure out if maybe, just maybe, he'll be hired as one of his father's servants. And the father's response is so clear. He's he's saying to him, you are not a servant. You are not a slave. You are my son. And you are completely accepted. See, in a powerful way, these three gifts from his father communicates this son's true identity. He's not beyond hope. He's not a screw up. He's not a loser. He's a son. He's an heir. And he's a beloved member of the family. That is his true identity. Even after all of the bad choices that he made, even with all the regrets that he has, this is his true identity. Now, it can be so easy for us to live under the cloud of shame, to carry around our regrets, and to not feel worthy of God's love. Maybe today you need to realize that you have lost your true identity, just like that young son. Maybe you need to experience the fourth awakening, which is an awakening to God's love for you. Because no matter what your story is, that is not the end. The final word is God declaring that you are his beloved son or daughter. That's your true identity. Don't let anyone or anything steal it from you. Author Brennan Manning says it this way, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. God's love for you And his choice of you constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. Isn't that an amazing quote? Something to remember. Well, every week we've been giving you a different prayer to pray. And the prayer for this fourth awakening is simply this. Awaken in me the awareness that I am your unconditionally loved child. Awaken in me the awareness that I am your unconditionally loved child. Now pause for a moment there because I want to ask you something. Do you know that? Do you realize that that is who you are? Do you understand how loved you are, that you are forgiven, that you are accepted? See, God's desire for each and every one of us today is that we would understand the height and the depth and the length of his love for us. And so my hope for you as you go on your way with the rest of your day is that you would not forget your true identity. I mean, remember the robe. 
You don't need to prove yourself anymore. You can rest and know that you are welcome at home. Remember the ring. You don't have to worry anymore. God promises to never leave you or forsake you. You are safe and you are home. You remember the sandals? You don't have to feel alone anymore. You are unconditionally loved and you are home. Now, all throughout scripture, we read about our true identity that God gives to us when we come home. We're told that we are a new creation. We are forgiven. We are not condemned. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We see the thing is, church, as we continue our journey back to God and our journey with God, we have to push back and we have to resist anything that tells us that we are not accepted and loved by the Father. Because those thoughts and those things are certainly not from him. I love this statement made by Henry, Henry Nouwen in a book called The Life of the Beloved. He says, every time you feel hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I cannot feel it right now, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in his eyes, precious in his eyes, called the beloved from all eternity and held safe in an everlasting belief. So you now should know without a doubt that you have a heavenly father who loves you as you are and not as you should be. You can stop saying things like, I don't deserve it. And you can start saying things like, God loves me deeply. After all, never forget your true identity. Remind yourself of that every single day. Maybe write it down on your bathroom mirror so you see it in the morning. Maybe put it on the home screen of your phone so you see it every time you open it up. But every single day, remember, it's a chance to awaken to God's amazing love for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are closer than we could ever imagine or hope for and that you wait for us to return to you. And that when we do, you give us the help we need and you give us the love that we need. God, help us to never forget our true identity, which is found in you. God, help us to set aside and to get rid of all of those thoughts, all of those lies that we carry with us, all of those thoughts that we don't deserve it or that we don't deserve a second chance or that we could never deserve your love. Help reassure us every single day that our true identity is that we are beloved, that we are forgiven, that we are a new creation, 
and that you have filled us with your Holy Spirit. But God, help us not to just internalize that and keep it to ourselves. Help it to impact every relationship that we have. Help us to share your love in every conversation, in every interaction. Help people to see you radiating from us. And so, God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. And let's all say together, amen. We'll see you next week.